Do you love racing? Then you've come to the right place. We discuss current topics in most asphalt series, as well as deep dives into the history of racing, race cars, and the drivers. I'm NASCAR driver Derek Cope. I share some of my personal stories, as well as highlighting those people that shaped my career and others. I'm Alicia Cope, and we also take on controversial and engaging topics on many subjects, including NASCAR, as well as tips and tricks that have worked for us in building teams from scratch, keeping relationships, and finding new roads. Hopefully our experiences will inspire you to reach your own goals. Let's get started. Welcome back to Race Theory. It's episode 44, and it is about a recent road trip we just came back from, which has been wonderful. It yes. has been uh, something kind of a revisiting to a racetrack that we've always really enjoyed going to, and that is Mid-Ohio. And so we had you know, made this trip and decided to drive up and meet the race team there. And this was a Trans Am event for uh, Nitro Motorsports. And we had five TA2 cars going. So we, uh, we left out a day early and we started to venture uh, a new way that we hadn't gone before. We, I guess sort of. We had kind of gone that way one time because Alicia likes the Amish country. <laughs> And so she was adamant that she would like to just drive through the countryside and look for horses and buggies. And and if I wanted to stop and take yeah. in a farmstead, that I could do that. Yes. So it started off heading that direction and we got, you know, kind of off the beaten path off of 77 and started going through the country and we weren't really seeing much Amish. But uh, <laughs> then we came upon... Uh, getting late in the uh, you know the afternoon, and we were kind of thinking about if we were going to go all the way or we were going to just stop. And we ended up going through some place that we had never gone through before, and that was Mount Vernon, Ohio. And I asked her, I said, "Well, what do you think about you know this quaint? It's a very quaint little place." And yes. we uh, kind of ventured off the the road and took up towards the uh, the center of town and. Lo and behold, I said, you know, she checked on the uh, uh, Google and said there was a great uh, hotel. And so we went by there and we were fortunate enough to find a room. Yes. And that was the Grand in Mount Vernon. And it's actually a university hotel that was um, built for the Nazarene, I believe, university that's not very far from there. And it was just gorgeous. It had a gorgeous um front room and sitting area. And so I went in and they said, well, you're in luck. We actually have a food exhibit. Uh, I guess they have some type of maybe chef school or something there was going on that night, but we have one king room left. So we were in luck. And yeah, right, in the right on the corner of a roundabout and through the center square, which was really, I mean, really pretty area. And a park right in the middle of all that and sitting areas and bench, park benches. And so, you know, we hit and it wasn't, you know, extremely busy, but uh, really was and the weather was nice. It was warm and uh, we really uh, got a chance to she went and ventured out and um, we walked around a little bit and then found a wonderful restaurant. Yes, the restaurant, the Alcove. So if anybody goes to Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, needs a fine dining place or maybe even you have a sponsor and you need like a kind of a conference room type atmosphere, 
just beautiful ambiance, very historical. And then the menu was just awesome. It was, uh, Matt Kohler would have been proud. It had port, it had steak, it had seafood. Um, had wonderful. wine, had martinis, had about everything that we <laughs> uh, pretty much uh, can indulge in. Yes. And right in the heart of downtown, there was antique stores, which is, you know, what I like to go to on either side. And yeah, it was just a really great little first day to our road trip to Middle Don't forget to mention you get a blowout. Yes, I got a blowout from a salon down the street. And so I was feeling and looking fabulous. Hmm. Well, like that was the beginning of uh, our weekend, and it was very, very nice. We enjoyed the evening, and then it was like a 25-minute drive to the racetrack from there uh, the next day. And so we spent the night and headed out, and off we went to the Nickel and Bean next stop. Uh, you would think that we're talking racing. We're talking about all the hot spots leading up to mid-Ohio. Yeah, and who would think they were all in Ohio? Because, yeah, so we had fine dining. And then my favorite spot, which we actually discovered last year with um, the girls from Nitro. So Johanna and I actually found this coffee shop called Nickel and Bean. And has a cute little story about a couple um, who's from there and then went away. And then they came back and started this. And it has become a hotspot of Lexington, Ohio. I mean, it was way busier even than it was last year. And I know it's probably five or six years since it started. Wonderful baked goods, their own bakery. They make everything from scratch and they have everything from protein bars to cinnamon rolls, scones. Um, they even make breakfast sandwiches, um, hummus, you name it. And then, of course, the coffee is excellent. And so... I have to make Derek go there and get us coffee. And let us not forget that this is a hot spot for the women to visit Nico, who <laughs> is, I guess, one of the owners. And then we heard about him last year. And uh, I've never seen Nico. But so I'm here as they make adventures there once or twice a day, maybe three times a day. And I think waiting to see if Nico's going to show up. So it's a shout out to Nico. <laughs> and I just want you to know that you have some admirers from the uh, Charlotte, Mooresville areas that, uh, Love your nickel and bean. They must have the hots for you. I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, so it's, <laughs> it was another stop leading away. So it's taking us a while to get to the racetrack. But, you know, we have all these hot spots, you know. And along the way, something that was very interesting to me, and even on the way out, the weather was just was beautiful at that point in time for us. But I have never seen more manicured areas Meaning lawns, lawns grass. and grass, all the hills, the leading up to the house, around the house, up to the house, down to the field, down to the pond, you name it, they are mowed and manicured. And I decided that we need to change, change uh, Ohio to Mohio <laughs> because these guys are some mowing fools. Up there. <laughs> and I mean, they are mowers from way back because they <laughs> there's not a blade of grass that has not been hit except for the field where the goats are at little high there but the goats were very happy yes yeah well the goats don't got much to much because i'm telling you those lawns pastures even they they must mow two or three times a week i made a facebook post today asking hey all my ohio peeps out there is this like a culture is do you get like a discount on lawnmowers there is it a state law perhaps is there a homeowners association for the whole state of ohio because I'm telling you, I have never seen such short, 
grass to the point where you could play golf on it. Like Derek says, I could go out there and shoot some balls off. Of- You're not going to lose a ball. <clears throat> I can tell you because it is so short. I mean, I mean, it's shorter than any fair was. I think I've hit. <laughs> it was pretty nice. And, uh, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to say it. when I drive, I'm like, you know, I'm pretty focused on getting to the race. And I'm not really thinking about a lot of the things. And, you know, Alicia, in contrast, though, she's taking pictures of the sunrises and looking at every that, you know, the dew on the lilies and all the stuff. <laughs> right. I mean, you, she's taking a picture and posting whatever she can. So I get it. Right. But I, I, I love God's nature. I, I love the beauty. I love the simple joys. Yeah. Well, all I was saying was when I make a when I make a note of it. It's pretty serious. Yes, yes. And I was like a little bit taken back by it all. And I was like, I was like, what does everybody mow here? I think they must have some really heavy mowing equipment because <laughs> it's acres and acres and of grass. Hills. I mean, your hills. Yeah, I'm talking. I don't even know how you get a riding lawnmower up some of these hills. Well, I'm going to tell you what the weed eating population there. I mean, they must have full time weed eaters. I mean, professionals because everything. I mean, it looks like everything to every little fence post and everything was, I mean, I was just starting to really take a good look at it because I was just really amazed. And it was all that way through the back, you know, I mean, the back roads and everything we took out of Mount Vernon all the way down into, uh, I think it was Millersburg and some other places. Well, there. it was well, Licking County. Licking County. And what was the other one? Scooking gum. Yeah. Muckin's gum. Muckin' gum or something. I don't know. Something like that, <laughs> and then into, into Knox County. And then into the county that Mid Ohio is in. I mean, it it was from city to farm to city to farm. I mean, they are serious about their grass yeah. and about their lawns. And I mean, it's beautiful. But I mean, I thought that Southern people cared about their lawns. They don't hold a candle to Mid Ohio. I don't think anybody holds a candle to Mo Ohio <laughs> because these this is pretty pretty nice. And uh, but anyways, we finally make the turn to get to the racetrack. And what do we see? More manicured lawns leading up all the way to the racetrack. So it's pretty impressive. I, I just had to, I had to talk a little bit about it because it really is extremely unusual for me anyways, to see those types of things and for it to make an impression upon me. So I thought we'd have a little lighthearted uh, talk about Mo Ohio and, uh, you know, get ready to get to the racetrack and talk a little racing after that. But uh, just a shout out to all of them, because uh, whoever, if you live anywhere from all the way off of 77 into Lexington, you've done a heck of a job. Yes. And now you're, if you're, if you're out there done, mowing three times done Ohio proud. <laughs> yes, we're, we're noticing. Yes. The fuel costs probably are pretty heavy up there, but <laughs> definitely, uh, you know, you're using the fossil fuels to a great, great degree, but it's looking good. Anyways. So we did make our way to the racetrack and uh, weather was supposed to, you know, play a factor, which uh, we were setting up that day. still very nice. And we're going through our setups and getting uh, the, you know, the tents up and getting the rigs ready to go and getting cars out prep. So, but then, you know, the next day we, we show up and of course, weather is an issue and we're having a lot of um, rain. So it really kind of put the damper on things from a standpoint of getting all of our guys out there to, to do some practice. But we had uh, our, our Brent Cruz, which has been the stable, uh, you know, leading the points right now and has been uh, doing, you know, exceptionally well. And we had Darren Mock, who's, I think, six in points, doing really well as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had Will Rogers, who does a lot of um, racing sporadically in different series, done some racing in the uh, GR86 program with their with their team the Godwin Motorsports team and it's done very well there and 
He has been running some TA um, XGT cars uh, for Jefferson Racing uh, and um, Chris Evans Motorsports. And he uh, was driving the car that Thomas Nunciata normally drives uh, for this week, for this past weekend. And then we had uh, Kale Phillips, who I was crew chiefing for and been doing some work with. And Kale and I worked at uh, Sebring the first race of the year and we got wrecked and he tore a ligament in his hand and had to get operated on. So he hadn't been back in the car until uh, this past weekend. So it was nice to have Kale back. I, you know, I joked with him and Poncho and Lefty are riding again. So, you know, we got looking forward to that. And we love their parent, his parents and his wife, and just uh, always really enjoyable to work with Kale. And, uh, and then we had uh, a new um, driver, and it was Boris Said Jr. And I've known Boris Sr. Uh, for a long time. Just a great guy and a, a very, very talented race car driver in his own right. And Boris has taught a lot of the, uh, instructed a lot of the cup drivers through the years, you know, back in the, you know, the nineties and, um, you know, been involved uh, and obviously a great road racer in, in a multitude of cars. And he was there to help, uh, his son, Boris said junior, uh, go through his apprenticeship and, he doesn't have a lot of experience, but it's been doing uh, really well in the races that he has ran. And a nice young man. And, and then Boris was actually getting a chance uh, to drive uh, Poncho Weaver's car there in the TA uh, series. So, you know, he, he does a great job with that car. He loves those those race cars with a lot of power and uh, the old school type, uh, you know, race cars. And he uh, really, you know, enjoys that to a great degree. And so we spoke with that at length uh, throughout the weekend. And it was great to have Boris said there. He is a uh, He's a tribute to uh, to uh, auto racing and sports car racing, and he uh, was there and having a good time. I think uh, you know working with all of us and working with the Nitro uh, program for the first time. But he was the first one to actually go on the racetrack. He hadn't been in, in one of the cars yet, and all the other guys have. And so uh, he went out in the rain and uh, did a nice job. Ended up, I think he was running like I think he was third fastest in the rain. Uh, we did get get off the racetrack and uh, got in the gravel uh, a little bit there, but it was pretty slick out there. But other than that, did a nice job and uh, felt like you know uh, you know he was ready to go for the next day. Supposedly the weather was going to get better throughout the weekend, so we really weren't uh, in a real hurry to get out there and uh, you know put the guys through all the paces in the rain when. You know, we really felt like it was going to be dry conditions, you know, and some, we daring to just test it up there. And uh, so we felt compelled to keep everybody in the garage uh, except for Boris and then, you know, get ready for the next day of practice. So uh, it was just uh, a wait and see kind of day. And then certainly enough, the weather uh, made a turn for the better and we were able to get ready the next day. And there were some chances of, you know, some rain, but pretty much stayed uh, relatively nice and we were able to get you know the practice session in and uh, we're pretty very productive again i felt like everybody was um putting good lap times down the cars were working well and we were you know pretty much following our our test plans and everybody seemed to be um you know in great spirits and uh, we're getting uh getting along well and so that was where we were leading up you know to um you know to getting ready for the race and we you know, had some nice evenings to go out and have some, some dinner and relax a little bit. And, but they're long days. You know, the one thing about Trans Am racing is it's not like NASCAR racing where they kick you out at five o'clock and tell you to go home, make you go home. Here, you know, you have the luxury or maybe, I don't know if it's <laughs> the luxury, luxury or not yeah. the luxury. I don't think but, luxury is the actual uh, opposite <laughs> of the word. 
Yeah, it depends on your perspective. You have the punishment of staying yeah. as long as you Women want Women say you have a punishment, but, <laughs> you know, the guys like to stay around the racetrack. And so we were there, you know, till, you know, later in the evenings and just trying to, you know, you know, dot every I and cross every T and make sure we were really ready, you know, for the next day. And so uh, really we were, we felt like, uh, you know, qualifying well, went relatively well for uh, all of our guys. and. You know, our, our starting spots were, were decent. And I think we're looking for, you know, a good solid run. Mid-Ohio is one of those racetracks where, it's, you know, it's, it's very, very unique. You know, it's, um, you have to be pretty structured there. I think you're, it's a technical racetrack. It is, you know, it's got, you know, a, a fast section, very, you know, very hard braking um, points, you know, and with a lot of speed and, you really have to put a lot of shifts close together and, you know, it's one of those racetracks where it be, you know, just very precise in a lot of ways. There's not a lot of opportunities for passing. So you have to be the risk versus reward becomes uh, something that, you know, most drivers have to deal with and look for the braking zones to make passes. So from a, uh, you know, the spotting and from a spotter's perspective, you know, it really is about looking for areas to defend and how you defend and your racecraft comes into play there. and so. Uh, that's what I enjoy about it is that, you know, you really have to work on, you know, ways to be aggressive yet, you know, you have to be able to defend and, you know, make good choices as well. And, um, all of our guys, uh, all of our guys pretty much did that, you know, for the most part. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, race day and, you know, it brought, uh, a beautiful morning and with a chance of rain, the clouds started coming in and everybody was, Obviously, a little bit, uh, you know, worried about the weather. There was um, storms coming. The radars looked, you know, like we were going to have to uh, put rain tires on throughout either, you know, right before the race or maybe shortly thereafter. So there was a lot of jockeying for getting rain tires prepared, ready to go in the pits and the game plans because, you know, we're not really accustomed in Trans Am racing to doing any pit stops. And the only time we do is when it's, uh, it's rain. And it really is, is a, is, I don't know, in my opinion, it's a terrible thing to um, make these teams, you know, have to come in and pit when they're not really prepared to or don't have the teams, you know, the capabilities to do it. They and, don't have a pit crew, per se. Right. It's so not it, like NASCAR. It's a little bit, you know, bothersome to me, right? And I think it creates opportunities for just having a big cluster. And hopefully they'll address this at some point, but, you know, maybe that. If they are, you know, they do, do feel like they have to go to range that they would just, you know, put a yellow out, let everybody come in, stay in their positions, and then bolt all their tires on yes, and go back. That would be fair. And go back to racing. So, you know, it's not the way it's done at this juncture, but, you know, it just sometimes I think, you know, they just have to look at, you know, the series and how you typically run your series and try to put on the best uh, race from the optical standpoint. And uh, so, but as it worked out, it did not rain. It uh, missed us and it dissipated and they got to run in the dry the whole time. And the race was a good race. It was, it went green for a very long time and it was hot. And I think, you know, the drivers, if you had a few drivers, including one of ours, uh, Darren had this um, cool shirt uh, fail and it was, you know, boiling him and getting him, you know, he was struggling with the heat with that. And a lot of other kids, I think, even Boris Jr. or something, I think just, you know, it was a hot, humid day. And when you drive a road course, you have to work hard. And, you know, you really got to be 
you know, sitting back in the seat, breathing and, and being pretty comfortable to manipulate a race car. And, you know, when you're up to fight it, you know, it takes its toll on you. So, uh, but, you know, for the most part, it was a, you know, a good race from the standpoint that people weren't beating on each other and causing a lot of, you know, problems and went green for a long point. And we had a few cautions towards the end that bunched every back, everybody back up and put us into a situation where, you know, some pretty exciting racing in the latter stages. And uh, Brent had gotten to second. I made some pretty daring passes uh, under braking in the braking zones and got to second behind Rafa Matos, who those two seemed to be running kind of neck and neck for the championship along with Connor Zilich. And uh, Connor had been on the pole and went out very first car to go out. I don't know exactly what happened there, but had a failure. And, um, you know, took him out early. Otherwise, it would have been pretty inter- even more entertaining. But Rafa did a nice job and ended up winning the race and held off Brent for uh, for second. And Darren, although he had some heat overheating issues, you know, with his his um, his cool shirt system, you know, going on the blank, um, he would manage to I think finish tenth. He kind of faded a couple there. He was running better than that and ended up just getting hot and was uh but ended up tenth, which was a solid effort. And I think Boris uh was uh twelfth, I think uh and then Kale, um we did we did exactly what we had set out to do. Our game plan was to run a methodical race and uh we started twenty fourth and you know, first time back in the car, I think, you know, we were just a little bit tentative and we were just trying to make sure that we could get to the end, but I knew how he, I know how he races and he races, he gets faster, faster, uh, every lap. And really by the, you know, middle to the end of the race, he's, he's pretty proficient and he's up on the wheel and, um, he did a really nice job for his first time back since February and we ended up 15th and yeah, it was uh, a good effort for him. I did a really nice job and, you know, nothing close to getting off the racetrack or anything. We really just had a good solid effort. And, you know, the plan that we laid out, we pretty much implemented to a T and solid top 15 and first time back. So all in one piece, but no damage. So that's a lot to be said for that. So I think the next time that we run together, uh, we'll be at Watkins Glen. So I'm looking forward to that. We really enjoy, you know, that's the one thing about, I love about this racing is you just get to work with different people. Uh, you get to know their families and the drivers and, you know, uh, you're just, the camaraderie is, is very nice and you get to spend time talking and, you know, and we, his, his mom and dad, uh, are just super people and we, uh, we enjoy spending time with them and, um, you know, hoping that we have a productive day and we, we've had really good efforts before and, you know, they've been thwarted by, you know, a mistake that we, you know, he, we've made, you know, um, basically on, on, you know, trying to get off the racetrack a little bit. And then we got hit and, and wrecked by somebody else and that broke, hurt his hand. So we've not managed to get the finishes that we really were, I thought, capable of having, but, uh, we finally did that. So yeah, good ending. So all in all for Nitro Motorsports, I know that Nick, uh, Tucker Han and Johanna have to be excited. And I, I think it has to be said too, that we had five cars there, five different drivers, very different walks of life and from different areas of the country, um, different types of upbringings, a different um, social economic status, statuses, different, um, you know, levels of, of um, maybe skill, opportunity, all of that. And I think it all comes together in the fact that 
because we're very close friends with uh, with Darren Mock's parents as well. And I think you really get to hear the stories of everybody and you get to hear the struggles that are internal too. Um, you know, some of these kids are struggling with things that people wouldn't even know about. Um, and I think it's it's very interesting how each race, and you always say this, that you're only as good as your last race. And I think that goes from the to the positive note as well. That's usually said in, you know, more of a negative connotation. But I think also when you are able to rise back up and have a finish, you're able to realize that your tenacity and grit can overcome other things too. You know, how much money you may have, how much talent you may have, um, if you have any type of disability, if you have anything going against you. Sometimes the sheer will and determination can can overcome that. And I think it's um, just something that I found very entertaining is not the right word, but intriguing that getting to know all of the parents, because all the parents are at these races, no matter how old they are, it, it always seems to be kind of a family affair. And it's great that way. And I think that's the way probably NASCAR was back in the old days. And you get to know where they're from and the challenges they had to get to where they're at. But they love to race and they want to be in the race car and they want to have just one more opportunity. And uh, I think it was just a, a victory for everyone. I mean, I know certainly, you know, Will probably, you know, was disappointed with the finish. But I think by and large, when you can come out with the finishes that you did, I think it says a lot towards what you can do with modest beginnings or maybe even not the best of, I mean, Nitro has great equipment in the series, but I think you're very um, equal in terms of uh, competitive equipment there. And you can see some of, and you always say cream rises to the top, but I think in the Trans Am series, you can kind of see how grit rises to the top and just finishing, like you say, you have to finish to be able to finish first, you must first finish. And I think it, if you can just be patient and you listen to your crew chief and you can figure out what works for you and you just have that dream and desire and you just keep doing it in consistency. I just liked how it all turned out, especially, you know, towards the family that, you know, you were coaching. I think everyone had smiles on their faces and they, they weren't first, they were 15th, but they love where they were at and they love the experience. And it was just a joy to see. Yeah. And I, I don't want to leave out, you know, uh, what, you know, what Will ended up doing. Will Rogers did as well. I think he finished uh, 16th, uh, but he, he was running up, you know, up towards the front too. And I think, uh, you know, got an altercation and uh, was relegated to the flat tires and things, but still battled back to 16th. So, you know, very proficient race car driver, ended up winning the XGT division with the Trans Am the day before. Uh, so, you know, you know, you felt like, uh, you know, he was deserving of more, um, you know, he, 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 you know, he'll say to himself, he thought he was a little bit impatient on that deal, trying to make it happen too soon, but was in a good car and had, uh, you know, had proven himself well in, in qualifying in the race himself, but Will does all the data acquisition, you know, he reads all the data and helps with coaching the drivers as well. And so he's very, you know, he's very good at, um, you know, overlaying things for everybody else to work collectively together. And that's what Nitro does. Nitro tries to work where the cars are, 
you know, the same setups. We have all the same things working. We try to give the drivers opportunities to go out and showcase their potential. But we look at all the drivers that maybe maybe have more experience at that particular racetrack, uh, maybe overall more experience or whatever, and, you know, try to find ways to rise, you know, elevate everybody's productivity over the weekend. And, you know, I think it's it's well-received, and that's what Nitro does. And I think that's where, you know, the pro- productivity for the drivers happens. And, you know, like you said, though, all the drivers have something that, you know, some adversity they've had to overcome. And, you know, as for KO, it was, you know, a, a torn ligament in his first race back. And Darren, you know, suffers with, you know, his disorder as far as um, EB. EB with, mm-hmm. you know, with us, uh, so he gets blisters real easily and the heat bothers a lot of his skin. And so, you know, he, it's very difficult for him to run the longer races and to really, you know, the things that you go through, you know, those are things that he has to deal with, you know, so they do, they all do a nice job with, with some of the things that they have to overcome. And, you know, the one thing they do is they work hard at their craft and they all want to be running as up front and win races or as good as they can be. And so um, that's what I love about it. You know, you, you take something positive uh, out of every weekend, but, you know, sort of the same way that I was always brought up, you know, we look at, you know, our, our deficiencies and we try to find things that we can work on through the video and the, uh, the analytics and try to figure out, you know, how we get better and we get faster and we work towards the next event. So yeah, it's, um, it's a process. That's what racing is about. I think really that's the part of the, I see about Trans Am. It's enjoyable. Got a light, nice family atmosphere like racing used to be. I feel like, and everybody pulls together and has a good time and, you know, eats and, and uh, has a drink and sit there and, uh, you know, after the race, they, everyone wants to hang out and talk and, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's an enjoyable weekend and, you know, you look forward to the next opportunity and you go pretty much every other week and, you know, you get to go back and the next race will be, will be Road America. So uh, look forward to that. And we also have the GR86s that we run, the, the Toyota uh, spec series and, We'll be back on tap with that here shortly as well. So a lot of racing to come for Nitro Motorsports. And, you know, we're kind of right through that middle summer uh, series, you know, of races coming up that we'll be going about every other week, you know, with not a lot of time off, you know, again. So looking forward to it. And I know that uh, it'll be a productive, you know, effort uh, at Road America. We, uh, you know, last, last time we were there, uh, it was Brent uh, sat on pole and won from the pole. It was the Brent show. Yeah, it was. And it was an exciting first it was. affair. I know for you, you have fond memories of that because really like the first time that you'd actually got to go to Victory Lane and, uh, and witness that and be a part of that. And I could hear your screams over everybody else <laughs> in the videos. Yeah, it was really fun to watch that and uh, and see that victory for Nitro and for Brent and for everybody. And uh, that was really the growing pains. You know, it was just, you know, basically we only have Brent as the primary driver <clears throat> last year. And now to see they have a full camp of, you know, four to five cars every week. It's it's really great to see. And then Road America is a, is a favorite venue of mine, too, just like Mid-Ohio. Love the area. And so looking forward to going to that. But NASCAR's got a new one coming up, too. I've never been to that one, and that's um, that's something I know you wanted to talk about. Yes, it is it is a, you know, we're talking road racing, I guess. And, you know, it seems like that that's where NASCAR continues to, you know, move towards. And this coming weekend uh, is no exception. It really is the, the first street course for NASCAR. 
I've been fortunate enough to have run several street courses uh, in NASCAR on the West Coast. So nothing really new for me, but this is a big venue. I mean, you're talking about the downtown streets of Chicago. And it's got a lot of, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of uh, videos and, you know, you know, virtual conceptions of the racetrack and some live feeds from there prepping this week, you know, from this past weekend's uh, races. And, you know, it looks, it looks really nice. Looks like they've done a really nice job. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch the race. Uh, obviously, the one thing about street courses and road racing is if they have a lot of cameras and with the drones and all those things, they can put out some pretty spectacular optics. And so on television, I think that, you know, the viewers are going to have a great opportunity to watch a pretty exciting race. And it'll be interesting. I know that we'll be looking forward to sitting down and watching it. Uh, I, I like street courses myself. We just came back from Detroit where we ran the, um, the, with the IndyCar group up there, ran the Trans Am race, and that was fun. And our guys did a nice job. So, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see and watch, uh, you know, later in the week. We'll get to see practice and qualifying prior to the event. So we'll get a real feel, I think, of the optics there and then can look forward to, uh, to the event. So, again, Chicago road racing and NASCAR. So something new and exciting and another thing to look forward to, to see how the next gen car uh, performs there. Yeah, absolutely. And you're no stranger to the streets of a big city being turned into a road course. You drove the streets of Tacoma way back in 86. And that's actually where you got recognized. I mean, the beginning of your story really starts with that, uh, where the president of Pure Later recognized you. And then years later, you would get your chance to go, um, you know, perform in NASCAR on the East Coast. And then, um, you know, we had the opportunity to do the streets of Nashville, um, you know, not only um, uh, with the Trans Am, but that's also a, a venue that um, NASCAR goes to, too, in an Oval Series. But I think that was an opportunity for us to go to Nashville and see how a city could be transformed into a road course. Um, and uh, it's it's got a lot of intrigue. And I think a lot of people flock to those because there's a lot of places to watch from. And you can be right downtown in the action. You can go get something to eat and you can stay in a hotel and, and, um, you know, you can just watch the race outside your hotel, you know, room. And, and it was for me the first time I'd seen a street course right downtown, a big city. And it definitely has, um, I think a lot of perks for just the mainstream public. Maybe they might not be race fans, NASCAR fans, but it's something to go to and you have all this entertainment right outside your doorstep. Yeah, we actually ran the streets of Spokane, Washington as well. So, you know, a long time ago, I had, you know, I was introduced to street course racing and you know, I was doing a lot of the, you know, the functions and the, the press conferences and all the things with local groups, you know, uh, leading up to that, taking the press around the race courses and, you know, giving them a firsthand view of what's going on and trying to give them a conception of what it's like. And typically, the street courses, and I think if you, if any of our listeners have ever watched, you know, some other street courses like an IndyCar, that's where you see a lot of the street courses, you know, on the streets of Toronto, you look at the streets of St. Petersburg, and you look at, you know, all these different venues. And like we just spoke about, Nashville, you get a real sense of putting together a racetrack uh, in the city streets. And Nashville was, I, I thought, pretty exciting because 
you ran over the bridge, mm-hmm. you know, over the river and, you know, into a high breaking zone. And then, you know, all the race was right around. There's hotels on the outer perimeters where we stayed. You walk cross over into the venues and then you could physically get to downtown uh, Nashville, you know, to the streets where all the bars and all the country music people are at. And there's so many things. It's almost like a major tailgating of, of sorts, right? You have the actual city lights. You got the Hard Rock Cafe. You got bands playing. You got music. You've got everything that you would want to do at night, and then during the day you have racing. And last time, last year, I mean, they had you know they had the uh, those trucks, you know, the, those super trucks deals. You know, they run through the streets and jump ramps, you know, and uh, you know we know Ben Mayer was was part of that, and that was really well received. received and you know, they had GT uh, America cars there as well. So I think GT4 cars. And so it is really conducive for a variety of types of race cars and puts on a really good show. And the optics, again, you know, it's a lot more difficult as a spectator to get to see the whole race. But you can find sections there that you can see several sections of the race. Uh, but the optics on television or if you have streaming capabilities or whatever, you can see the entire race up close and personal. So you know, both from a, sp- a sponsor perspective as and as a spectator, you get to see a lot of racing and it looks up close. The mm-hmm. optics are very, very good. Yes. Kind of like running like a Martinsville yes. or a short track where the cameras are so close to the racetrack that you get to physically see the sponsor's logos. You get to see the driver. You get to see the race cars up close. So you see the movement in the cars. That's the thing that I think is, for me, that, even that I've driven race cars, I still get to see the optics where the cars, there's excessive movement, the cars pitching and rolling and sideways. And that's what I think gives you the perspective of just how difficult it is and the manipulation of the race cars that these young guys are going through. So I think those are the things that you can take away from it and look forward to uh, for street course racing. Yes, it is a dynamic atmosphere for sure. Uh, regardless of whether or not you even have a racing background or a race fan, to be able to see what it takes to put together a venue of that size and put uh, grandstands in the middle of a city on a street. I mean, you have the convenience store. I mean, you literally looking at the Shell gas station right beside us sitting in, in grandstands watching a corner, you know, come by. Um, it, you realize that I'm sitting in the middle of the city and this has been turned into a race course. So, I mean, a lot of coordination goes into that and um, it's, it's just a, uh, it's an entertainment. I mean, it, the entertainment value is huge on those, I think. And you, you we talk about Nashville, the football stadium is the back right there. I mean, yes. it is right on the in front straightaway, right, right below behind it. it. You got yep. people standing up there and looking at spotting them up there. And I mean, again, just the overall, you know, look of everything, the racetrack, you know, kind of nestled in next to where, you know, all the other forms of sports are at. And like you said, all the entertainment, you name it, it really is a spectacle to behold. And you owe it to yourself to really look to try to go to one of these venues because it really is a happening. And I think you, anytime you can, which we've done in the past, when I was racing in the nineties, we had a lot of country music involvement, you know, a lot of different artists back then, you know, I mean, I did country music videos for Tracy Lawrence and uh, we had Steve Warner, friends with Steve Warner. Uh, we were doing a lot of things and that interaction still is today. You see a lot of these guys, uh, your record, you know, labels or their records are coming out or whatever, you know, are going on the cars and they're putting on functions and they're singing at the events. And so 
Yeah, it's it really is an exciting time for motorsports. I think there's so much interaction and cross pollination going on that uh, you really get to see everything you want to see at a racing event. So it becomes a, a complete uh, you know fixture with so many exciting things. So, Absolutely, yeah. and 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 just a little shout out to the Trans Am series. It would be a lot easier for you to go to Nashville and watch this Trans Am series coming up um, rather than going to the streets of Chicago and trying to get a NASCAR ticket. But you know, just just saying, if you, if you want to go watch one, you know, it would be easier to do that. And um, yeah, we certainly welcome anybody who wants to support that series. Well, they again, it IndyCar. They're with IndyCar, so it is IndyCar Trans Am as well as Trans Am TA2. And then they have the GR86 Toyota series going to run there as well for the first time, which is a new series. So there's a lot of uh, disparity in the types of cars, and you get to see some you know, some pretty big names there uh, racing as well. So you're talking about the who's who of IndyCar racing, and those cars, it is something to behold to see the IndyCars go through those streets uh, and the manipulation they have of those cars and, I mean, tight corners and a little chicanes and then long straightaways where the speeds are incredible. So, yeah, if you're looking to go to something that's very unique and a street course and see high-profile racing, definitely Nashville is a must-see. Yes, I would agree. So, but something I want to talk about now is a little bit uh, to kind of, a segue from some of that to what we're doing and some exciting things. We just, you know, we were at VIR, you know, a week ago with the uh, Toyota GR86 and we picked up our Radical, which is a open cockpit, two seater, and it's got a lot of aerodynamics, like an LMP2, you know, type of car. So it's very, it's very elaborate looking, very it fast. It looks fast. No, it is fast. It, it, it's got uh, an EcoBoost uh, V6 with twin turbos. We'll go 185 miles an hour. Uh, it's got a lot of arrow, so the, you know it gets in the corner. You go in the corner fast. You get there fast. And you stop fast. <laughs> so, and there's a lot of G-forces involved. So it is really a spectacular ride, and it's a vehicle that very similar to what I drove in 24 hours of Daytona, where you have a GTP car, which you're seeing a lot of excitement with that. The speeds are elevated. The G-forces are there. You have a lot of downforce. And then I actually drove a Lola, an uh, open cockpit Lola in the 24 hours of Daytona. And this car is very similar to that. It's got open cockpit, open air. And guess what? You can ride along. Yes, it is a two-seater, y'all. This is a car. This is not, you know, in any of the series that we're talking about. This is a Derek and Alicia little venture here. And we are ready for you. We're ready for corporate events, VIP experiences, family experiences, bucket list for your dad or your mom or your brother-in-law, your grandpa, you name it. And also a chance for anybody who wants to just have an opportunity to come do something with your family or with your company that you've never done before and that will make memories for a lifetime. People will be talking about it forever. We call it hot laps. So it is, you know, you can get on our, our website uh, through DerekCope.club or RaceTheory.club and you can see the specifics. You can take a look at the car. You can kind of get a real feel for uh, what you'd be sitting in side by side with me. 
And there's even some race dates in there for you to look at where you can either rent the track or share the track on test days. And so you can take a look at something that's in your backyard and we can come to you. We have a mobile unit that comes to you for full hospitality as well as Derek instructing and giving ride-alongs. Yeah, so... You know, if it's, if it's a company, more of a company thing, then we do have, you know, like for small companies, it's a great way to bring in and uh, to motivate some sales forces or to, you know, I guess, you know, thank them for a job well done or an incentive-based package. And we can do a nice speaking engagement, a little dinner function, whatever we need to do. But we're just kind of looking at this. I've done some of this before. And so it's going to be an exciting thing. This is typically just going to be definitely a, a race theory um, type of program. and Hopefully that uh, it'll be well received and you have interest in it, but take a look at the website and get a feel for it. We will be doing some professional photography and some testing just to getting, make sure we run through all the bugs and everything. And then we'll showcase it even more in a greater manner here on the website uh, in weeks to come and be ready to uh, get started. And hopefully you will, you want to participate. And watch Derek's Instagram at Derek Cope double zero, my Instagram at Coach Cope and Elisha R73, as well as both of our Facebooks, because when I get into this as a passenger, this will be the first time that I've ever ridden with Derek. So either I'm going to um, have the bejesus scared out of me, um, or I'm going to love it. I don't know. Well, Elisha used to be really brave, and you know, I, I was really, it was remarkable. But I don't know what's happening here lately. She's kind of become a scaredy <laughs> here. And I'm not so sure this is, you know, and it seems like she even has a little more trouble just riding along in the car or getting car sick. So I don't know how this is really going to go down. It's called getting old, having children, and um, how many snakes I've encountered this year. Well, anyways, <laughs> all I can say is stay tuned because this video, we, we, we have in-car video. So we're going to have Miss Alicia in a helmet. In the race car, and I'm going to tell her, just tap on my leg, and you want me to stop at the corner. I just slow down. Yeah. Well, or maybe go faster. Who knows? Who knows? Well, she may just, uh, you know, tell me to keep digging, and you know, and we'll uh, we'll see how it all goes. But uh, that's something that's going to be pretty exciting, and we're going to have some fun with first, and that'll give us a real insight into you getting a chance to see, you know, some video and the optics of what we're going to do, you know, how it goes down, and. Uh, you know, an actual real life interview from Alicia giving you her pearls of wisdom after it's all over. <laughs> it'd be pearls of wisdom. And we're like, uh, yeah, who knows what it's going to be? It's going to be an experience. It's going to be a firsthand yeah. experience notes. I'm going to give her the VIP experience first <laughs> go round. So stay tuned with that. Uh, we appreciate you listening. And uh, that's all for Race Theory for this time. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Did this episode give you some value? If so, please follow us on Facebook at Derek Cope and Instagram at Derek Cope 00 and leave a comment or question and use hashtag race theory. We can't wait to hear from you. See you on the next episode.